mathematics is my strength, but I can't read and write. I'm, I'm highly dyslexic. But I didn't get to, only when I got to university did I find out I was dyslexic. So I didn't know what to do. So I ended up working in London. And I woke up one morning in London. I used to be a foreign exchange trader for a well-known Japanese bank. And it was fun. It was extremely highly paid. Yet it was a very toxic world. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. If you are not already a member, please go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and join and receive the following five free benefits. The risk reduction checklist, my weekly investment research email to help you increase return, a 25% discount on all A Stats Academy courses, instant access to our Facebook community to get to know guests, and fellow listeners. And finally, my curated list of the top 10 episodes. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guest, Gordon Jenkins. Gordon, are you ready to rock? Absolutely. Let's go for this. You're not ducking out of this. I'm not ducking out of this. Not ducking out at all. <laughs> <laughs> the audience will learn more about why I use that word duck. Yes. So let me introduce you to the audience here. Ladies and gentlemen, as an executive coach, speaker, and international author, Gordon Jenkins helps people make a real impact and difference, both in their personal, professional, and personal journey. With his trusty sidekick, Bamfi the duck, Gordon has an innate knack for recognizing and celebrating people's individuality. There is a common connection between Gordon and his clients. Success stems from the strong belief that it's okay not to conform to society's pressures. It's refreshing to be different and that celebrating what sets you apart is the key to a rich and fulfilling life. Gordon's clients include industry leaders who are regularly recognized by their peers as well as those quite happy to grow away from the glare of the media. Gordon, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. Thank you, Andrew. So one thing about being a, a network and executive coach is there's everything about me is on Google. I love Google. Google is my sidekick as well as Bamfi. So search me. So I want to tell you, I want to put it in a slightly different framework. And I want to frame it like this, that we, we live in a very crowded marketplace. And in order to stand out, we've got to be very compelling. And we've got to be very captivating to stand out. And to me, that means we've got to be slightly unconventional to cut through all this noise that we live in today. And you know, I'm coming up to 51 years old, and the noise was there when I was 16, but it's a slightly different noise to the noise we experience now. And my problem, if you can call it a problem, is I've never been the greatest. I'm good. I'm very good. And some would say I'm absolutely bloody awesome. But I've never, ever been. And I married her. <laughs> right? But I've never been crowned, crowned the greatest in the world. And I've never been the greatest academically. But I have always done my best. And that's really important. Okay. So I've never been the number one salesperson. But I've always known how to motivate and get the best out of people. So this means that in my life, as I've gone through life, I've always had to be creative, 
innovative and imaginative about how I position myself. I can't position myself purely on my academic skills because I'm not going to win. I'm never, ever going to win. I remember when I left school and I went for a graduate job, there were 16,000 students going for one graduate job. I was never going to get that job. So I walked away from it. Some call me a square peg in a round hole. Don't think I'm a square peg in a round hole. Some call me I'm unconventional. I'm unconventional because I think people are very traditional. Am I different? Yes, I'm absolutely refreshingly different. I'm refreshingly different in terms of, well, one, I carry a yellow rubber duck in my pocket, so that's a little bit different because not many people do that. I don't give out pens. I give out yellow rubber ducks. I wear odd shoes, but I get noticed. So whilst I'm being different, I would say that right now, at the age of 51, this is my time. This is the greatest time in my life. This is the greatest opportunity in my life. And the thing that's really different about this, and we'll cover on this, is I love COVID. I'm probably one of the few people in the world that actually says, I love COVID. And I'll tell you why I love COVID. Because for the last 17 years, I've lived a COVID-style world. My life has been built around living in what you, everyone around the world is living in the COVID-style world. So this newness that we're all experiencing in business and life is absolutely awesome because I've been living this life for 17 years and everyone's been calling me unconventional. But guess what? Now I'm very conventional because you all get it and this is the best thing. So that's probably not what you're thinking from a tidbit and talking about mm. how I've gone to university and everything else. But I'm happy to go from there. Yeah. <laughs> ask me anything, well, ask me it's interesting because one of the things that we learn in marketing is what's your USP, unique selling proposition. And so many times between myself and my own business, as well as talking to others, people come up with their USP is we do this, we do that, we do this, we do that. And then I tell them, go to the dictionary and look up unique. And it means something that only you do, right? And that's very hard. That all of a sudden changes the dynamic. And as you said, look, majority of us are not going to be number one. And so the question is, what is it that you can do? And that's where you have to craft. So an, a good example is in my online courses, particularly, let's say one of them called Finance Made Ridiculously Simple. That course, basically, I teach how to read financial statements. And how do I do it? As a former financial analyst who owns a coffee factory. And I take pictures of my coffee factory and I show Here's the green coffee coming into the factory. That's raw material, inventory. Here's our production process. That's a fixed asset. And what the students say when they come out is, I just love the way you, you, know, you, you talked about your own business and put it into terms I can understand. So when you think about it for the audience out there, when you're thinking about what is my USP, it doesn't have to be number one. I mean, yeah, you know, if you're lucky, that's it. But for everybody else, it's about shaping a narrative around whatever it is that you do. And so you've shaped a narrative around yourself. The rubber duck is part of that narrative. For me, what I learned is I'm never, ever going to be the best podcast host. So I decided to become the worst podcast host of my worst investment ever. And, you know, it's remarkable, Gordon, when I started calling myself that, I started getting messages and emails. And they said, why do you call yourself the worst? Or I'm intrigued. Why do you call yourself the worst? And I said, I always reply the same because you messaged me. 
exactly. So you you had a really interesting thing about intrigue. So about this USP. So people say to me, I hate going to events. Well, I hate going to events. Full stop. Which is really weird considering I'm a network expert. But we'll talk about that. And people say, what do you do? And I'm going, oh my god, is that the best you could come with? And I know they want me to ask them what they do because they've got their elevated pitch sorted out. And I go, well, I can tell you about me being an executive coach, or I can tell you why I carry a yellow rubber duck in my pocket, <laughs> or I can tell you why I wear or choose, right? But either way, you're going to get exactly the same interest. And either way, you and never, no one ever asked me why I'm an executive coach. I asked yeah. me about the rubber duck or the shoes. Why? Because exactly what you said, they're intrigued and I've made done something that's compelled them to ask. Yeah. Then they ask, expected me to say, well, what do you do? And I never, I never ask anyone what they do. Mm. The first thing I ask them is, who made you smile today? And the second question I ask is, and who did you make smile today? Because I want to know what I want to know who they are, not what they are. Yeah. And that right. defines what they and what they do. And then I can work out whether I want to stay and have another drink or walk away from them. <laughs> and so just to wrap this up with a little bow, if we talk about the services that you perform for your clients, and I think about the listeners out there that are interested in that, could you just describe to the listener like what it is that you do so they could say, hmm, that may, could be interesting. I'll go to the show notes, click and learn more. So do go to the show notes to learn more. So let me be very clear that I'm a, I'm the type of person that's very big on accountability. Mm. Okay. And I don't have any fluff in my life. And I live by what I teach. So if I'm going to teach someone, if I'm going to share something with someone else, then I do it my I do it myself. I have to live it myself. So I develop very clear strategies for growth, both professionally and personally. We work on business skills or soft skills. I'd hate the word soft skills, but business skills, because I don't believe that having a certificate on the wall is the way to go forward any longer. And it's not going to get you anywhere. I help people transform the way they network. And, and what I mean by that is we build an ecosystem. And the bill I use, the coffee shop, I use an airport system because mm. people can relate to it straight yep. away. We build the planes. But the other thing I do is I don't build, but I haven't done a business plan for 20 years. I haven't done a business. Now, some of my clients are getting ROIs around about 40 times of what I teach them and what I mm. share with them. So it's about culture, motivation. It's client focus. It is about networking. It's about growth through networking. And I follow the same process for the last 20 odd years. I used to have 18,000 connections on LinkedIn. Then it went down to 500. I built it back to 12,000. It's gone down to 500. It's been able to back. Why? Because while lives evolve, mm. right? And as we evolve, our ecosystems evolve as well. So I teach people about growth. I teach them about unconventional with a simple thing that in order to move forward, You've got to stop doing what you've always done. But my unconventional approach, my biggest thing, and the thing that really differentiates me, because I don't do business plans, is we work out where you want to be in seven years and or who you are in seven years, and we start living that life now. Because if you think about it, if your goal is to be a, a financial advisor or an accountant, and your clients want to be CEOs, right? and you're leading your way up to partnership, those CEOs aren't evolved, haven't evolved yet but you've got to network and you've got to get to know those people now because in seven years, you already want to be fixing their network system. Mm. So what I do, I, I transform people in the way that people think. Yep. Some people call it reverse mindset. It is quite confronting because people realize that they don't necessarily have the people in their ecosystem that they thought they have, mm. that they're going home and talking to their partner with several different hats on and the partners, they're going, oh my God, what's just happened here? Mm. <laughs> 
But what it is, is it's ordinary people that are out to achieve and want to achieve extraordinary, meaningful outcomes every day. I'm very purpose-driven. I don't use the word purpose. I'm very purpose-orientated. Mm. I'm not after 5% growth in people. Right? We make dramatic changes to people's lives, and we do it very quickly. Fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, just go to the show notes to learn more about Gordon. And now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. So this took a quite a lot of thinking about how I'm going to, how I'm going to frame this. So I'm going to, and it's all about stories at the end of the hell to tell stories. So I made one big bad investment. I did it every single day for 10 years. I did it from the age of 16 to the age of 26 because I was told the only way to build a career was to go to school. Then you go to college. Then you go to university. Then you get a graduate job. And then you sit in that job and sit on that desk and work your way up. And now after you've got it, you can't be a partner before you've 30, done 30 years in business. And I didn't know any different, but I knew I didn't fit. And I knew I didn't fit because I wanted to be, I wanted to do cooking at school, but I couldn't because boys had to do woodwork and metalwork. Now these hands are not made for woodwork and metalwork. They are made for the kitchen. And mm. without a doubt, I said I was never, I've never been the greatest. If I was allowed to do cooking when I was younger, I would probably be the world's greatest chef right now. That is without a doubt, because cooking is my passion, is my relief. And I fought convention for a long time. I left university. I actually did French for three years. And when I, I refused to learn French, literally refused to learn it because I was told I had to do it. So when I'm told I have to do something, I run away. So when I set my French exam, I actually sat down, tore the piece of paper up and walked out. Right. And something at school and something at university was quite strange because I am a math, I'm a bit like a, a goodwill hunting chap. Mathematics is my strength, but I can't read and write. I'm, I'm highly dyslexic. But I didn't get to, only when I got to university did I find out I was dyslexic. So I didn't know what to do. So I ended up working in London and I woke up one morning in London. I used to be a foreign exchange trader for a well-known Japanese bank. And it was fun. It was extremely highly paid. Yes, it was a very toxic world. A very, very toxic world. And I know, Andrew, we've got a similar, a similar mm. history in the, not being in a toxic world, but you understand what I mean from foreign exchange. Yep. And I woke up one morning and I literally said to myself, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not my life. And I will die very quickly if I carry on this life. And I realized that everything I've been told for the last 10 years and the investment I'd made in me was not, it was never for me. It was mm. always for other people, for other people had told me. So I went to work that morning. I resigned. And one week later, I arrived in Melbourne in Australia. Now, my mom's Australian, naturalized Australian, so it was very easy to get on a plane back in 1995 and come here. And I arrived in Australia, and I hit a wall. It may have been 15,000 kilometers away from London, but it was the same traditional way of living and thinking. What school did you go to? What university did you go to school? Who do you know? How do you do, you know, who do you know? Yes, we've got to go through a graduate program and we've got to do all this. And I said, no, I'm not prepared to accept that. I'm not prepared to accept that way of living any longer. I wanted to live my life differently. And I realized in order to do that, I needed to move forward. And I had to stop what I've always done. So 
I went downtown into, into the CBD district area, sat at the top of the hill, walked in and out of every single skyscraper. I went and said, hey, I'm Gordon Jenkins. Will you give me a job? Don't care what I did before. Just give me a job. Give me a job. And I ended up working for a firm called Merrill Lynch. And I remember sitting in front of them and being interviewed. I was with all these people from high school and everything. And they said, tell me about your academics. Tell me what you've done. And, one, and one person said to me, tell me something you've done really, really interesting. And I went, oh. I said, I'd love to tell you something I've done really, really interesting, but I can't tell you what I've done. And he goes, why can't you tell you? And I says, because I used to do the work I did was for British Aerospace in the military division. And that division builds planes and bombs. And the work I did for them, which was during my university, which was part of my thesis, is covered under the Official Secrets Act. So I had an absolutely brilliant time. I can tell you I've flown planes. I can tell you that we were involved in some of the biggest, let's call it defense contracts in the world. Mm. But I can't actually tell you what I've done. But if you want to sign a form, we can take it to the British Embassy. They'll vet you. And if they believe that you're vet, you can go to Canberra, which is the capital of Australia, and you can have a under. This shows how old I am. And some of your viewers may not do this, but Google it. Something called a microfilm. <laughs> you know what a microfilm is? Yep, yep. You can actually see the thesis I did. And this person was interviewing me who I didn't know. Then turned around and goes, you know what? We're going to have that guy. Because nothing he's talked about is about his academic, he's just told a story and he can tell stories. And I came to, and I started working in the international equity business. And the way I sold international equities in Australia was not because of the dividends. Because I remember the first international equity I sold was Gillette. And they did it. They did just done a deal with Tiger Woods. And no one, everyone was asking me, what's the dividend yield? What's the dividend yield? And I'm going, forget the dividend yield. It's Tiger Woods. This share price is just going to go through the world. People are going to buy Gillette shaving foam just because of Tiger Woods. Right? Lo and behold, here we are in the 2020 one and everything Kim Kardashian does, everyone buys it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Next iPhone is out. Everyone wants an iPhone. So I went against tradition. So the worst investment I ever made has actually turned out to be the best investment I ever made. Mm. But, it took me t- but it took me 10 years to realize that I'm not someone who follows convention or tradition. And right. I think from the back of it, the only reason we follow tradition is because we don't allow innovation or creativity in that individual. We're told to do something. Mm. And that's, if you think about it today in, in the account, the counter world still works in six minutes slots, right? And we're still charged by the hour. Why? Because that's what tradition has said. There's no reason to do it. And the only reason we don't do it is because we don't want to challenge convention. Yep. But the most innovative and profitable firms in that industry are the ones who are challenging it. Right which comes back to that USB that we talked about at the beginning. So tell us from this experience, you know, what, how would you summarize what you learned? A couple of things. People don't care who you are. They want to know what you are. So people don't care what you are. They want to know who you are as a person. They want to know you Mm. as an individual first. So I could be the best executive coach in the world, but unless I actually connect with you, Andrew, we're never going to do business together. I have a very clear strategy on my own personal and professional growth. But it's not starting at today and moving forward. It's starting seven years out and moving backwards. I don't really care about people's academic transcripts. Mm. I want to know about them as a person. Um, That the biggest negative and the biggest detriment to my growth has been toxic people in my life. So I thrive on getting rid of toxicity in my life. I have no toxicity in my life today whatsoever. Hmm. And that means people, and that, and that, and that does mean friends, family, and business acquaintances. 
and I have absolutely, and my wife, oh, care for my wife for 17 years, we don't have any toxicity in our life whatsoever. But we've also built a fantastic ecosystem. So I have my own ecosystem. Think about it. When I talk about my airport and my airplane ecosystem, my airport ecosystem is me as an airplane. It has to be fit to fly before I can go and fly and teach others. So I have to have fuel. I have to get rid of my baggage. I have to have the control tile. I need to have the emergency services around me to make sure I can function. So I have my own ecosystem. So I have my own coaches. I've got six of my own coaches that help me live a full life. Then I go and build the ecosystem of where I'm going to grow. Simple. I, I'm a very simple guy. I don't, I don't use them. These are probably the biggest words I'm ever going to use in my dictionary. Clarity, courage, influence, and accountability. Sums it up. Actions speak, loud, actions speak louder than words. Mm. But every single day, I wake up motivated and inspired. Inspired to be better than I was yesterday. Yep. And knowing that I'll end the day further ahead than when I started. I don't know how far ahead. It could be a foot. It could be a kilometer. It could be miles. Be a million. But I'm always going to end up the day further than when I started. Beautiful. Well, let me uh, summarize a few things I take away. The first thing is that as, as an analyst, I've been a financial analyst all my life. And, <laughs> as, a, as a financialist, a financial analyst, I always tell young people, start from this point. Believe nothing believe no one. And the job of a financial analyst is to dig down and try to find the source of information, which brings me to the next thing, I, which is a little story. I was in Hong Kong and I was asked to give a speech about career development. And I had a lot of young people there. And at the end, I went and talked with a lot of people. And there was a young girl who said, I'm studying accounting and I want to switch into finance. But you know, I heard that it's really different or it's really hard or it doesn't really work that well. And I said, by who? Who told you that? She couldn't tell me who told her that. And then she said, well, you know, people say who, what people? So you're telling me you're going to shape your life out of something that people say. So you just reminded me of that story, the idea that, you know, ultimately the next thing I wrote down was like, you know, we shape our lives. Yeah. And what I like to say is that my job is to protect my brain because my brain is the source. If I lose my brain capacity, if I, if I give up my brain power for today to just follow along with other people or follow the advertisements that are hitting me or all that stuff, then my life is no longer my life. So my challenge is to, to shape my life. And then that brings me to the final thing you said, no toxicity. And I think, you know, that's, it's amazing the number of people that will live in an environment of toxicity. And it's a little bit like that animal that's been kept in a cage for so long. And then you remove the walls of the cage and they don't walk out. And the fact is, is that you can walk out of any situation. Those are some of the things I took away. Anything you would add to that? You summed up really well. I mean, I, I smile when you say that because I'm going, you get it. You get it. And I think some listeners are going to go and say, that sounds really simple, but how do we do it in life? Mm. A, lot of, a lot of things, the hardest thing is, is the starting point. You know, for me, a lot of things is I'm massive on accountability and I hold people accountable. I find the pain point of people's accountability. You know, it might be that if you don't, because everything that you say you're going to do, you decide on when you're going to, I'm just going to there to make sure you're, you're doing it accountable. And one of the things we found in life that we have these big plans, I, I move everything to 30, 60, 90 days. So everything we mm. do, we do in a really short period. 
We say we're going to do it in 30 days. It doesn't mean it's going to take you 30 days. You're just committed to do it. And this is about, it's about moving forward. It's about moving yep. forward. And, you know, Andrew, I'll say this to you, you know, that we were fortunate in the world that we grew up in. And I say the world that grew up in because we didn't have especially social media. So the playing field that we were allowed to play on, right, was longer and bigger. Mm. And that when we started walking into the, in the grandstands, we, we always had people, our mentors around us that push us back on the playing field and allow us to make mistakes. But we know we're never going to do anything illegal. We're never going to kill anyone, right? Mm. And we're never intentionally hurting anyone, right? We're doing things really authentically because of that creativity. The world we're living today is a lot faster. The playing field is a lot shorter, right? And it's a lot thinner. But the playing field is still there. And we've got to say, we've got to play. We've got to be creative. We've got to be imaginative. And that to keep on, keep on moving forward. And the thing that really resonates me is that as a human, the first thing we say is but or no. Okay. When someone says no to me, they're not saying no to me. What they're saying is no, I'm not ready for the journey that you're about to go on Gordon. I'm not ready for you. Mm. Right. I'm not ready for the growth. Right. That's okay. When you're ready, let me know, but I'm not stopping because of you. Mm. So when someone says no to me, they're not saying no to me. They're saying no, that they are not ready. And that's perfectly okay. There's 8 billion people in the world. I know that 4 billion are going to not like me. That's I'm actually happy with 4 billion people not liking me. Uh, the 4 billion that do like me, I only need a small percentage to actually like me. Okay. And if that small percentage like me, great. I've got a nice little ecosystem. Mm. Nice. All right. So based upon what you learned from this story and what you yeah. continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Action speaks louder than words. Often we want to do something. We don't know how to do it. And there's, there's people like me and there's people like you out there that are willing and there to support people. We're not there based on some six week framework. That's just you know theory. We're living we're supporting people based on tried and tested techniques, life experiences, no fluff, real life experiences across multiple industries, amongst multiple people. So if people want to do something, action speaks louder than words. And there's nothing wrong to reaching out to people like me. Right? Google Gordon yeah. Jenkins. There's only three Gordon Jenkins on Google. One of them is a composer, Frank Sinatra. I'm not that person and he's dead. The other person is an ex-Lord Mayor of New York who's in prison for money laundering. That's definitely not me. And the other Gordon Jenkins is me. Mm. Okay. And I'm probably going to be, depending on what time you look at Google, I'm either going to be number one or number two in Google. But reach out to me and say, hey, well, yep. I've got a dream. And great, because we'll make your dream reality. The people I work with, their dreams will make reality. And not in seven years, it becomes really quickly because we do it really quick. We do it quickly. Actions speak louder than words, ladies and gentlemen. And I also remember there's a quote, I believe it was Walt Whitman, but I'm not sure that said, your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So there's another quote I used, which is really good. It came from the New Zealand rugby team. It's never leave the tap dripping. It's either on or off. Mm. You're either in it or you're out. It's black or white. There's no gray. There's no gray in my life. You're either full on or you're full out. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just looking for that quote. Your actions speak so loud, so loudly. I'll look for that. Now, the next question I have for you is, what is your number one goal for the next 12 months? So it actually has nothing to do with me. Mm. So part of why I carry yellow rubber duck around with me is because it saved my life. It saved me jumping off a bridge. My wife had a double lung transplant 16, 17 years ago. 
and it's changed my life completely the way I look at things. And I found that I no longer cash rich. I used to be cash rich, passion poor. Now I'm really passionate about people and the cash just comes. Mm. And I have a goal to build what's known as a center of transplant excellence in Australia that would be the world's number one center of excellence for post-transplant care for organ transplant patients. And my goal in the next 12 months is not necessarily to build it unless someone, one of your listeners has got a billion dollars. Aussie or US will take either at the moment (laughs) to help us build it. But my goal is to get that, is to make a, make a hole in the hole in the ground. That's the start of that transplant center of excellence. Exciting. So we'll watch for that 12 months. Watch for that. (laughs) Well, the quote was from Ralph Waldo Emerson, and it says, your actions speak so loudly. I cannot hear what you are saying. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah. Listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. My number one goal for the next 12 months is to help you, my listeners, increase return and reduce risk in your life. To achieve this goal, I've created the free membership group with five free benefits. So go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to join. Now, as we conclude, Gordon, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Live no regrets and do reach out to me. It's really easy. www.com. I'm GordonJenkins.com. Beautiful. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth. Ladies and gentlemen, all the links will be in the show notes, so you can also reach out there to Gordon. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on The Upside.